There's that song we all know and love. Blau und Weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Lieben, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Let me start off by thanking you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club and get their point of view, and bring you game highlights. We'll also pick out articles on the club and talk a little bit about them. Joining me on today's episode, Jack Mangan, all the way from Chicago, Illinois. Welcome, Jack. Thanks for having me on. Good to be with you. Yes, yes. I'm glad you're on, man. We had a, a heck of a game we got to talk about. Um, before we get to that, tell us a little bit about you and then your Shaka fandom. Yeah, so I really became a, uh, a soccer fan, I think, during the 2006 World Cup. Um, that's really what got me into the sport. Uh, my Schalke origins are actually kind of a little embarrassing. I, I first discovered Schalke um, actually through the, the FIFA uh, franchise, EA. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I was starting a, you know, a, a manager mode back in, what, like 07 maybe, and uh, fell in love with the Veltons Arena and some of the players they had back around that time, guys like, like Kevin Karani, people like that, and uh, just kind of started following the club from there and you know, with the expanded – uh, broadcast coverage in recent years, it's been a lot easier to, uh, you know, watch all the games and really get more invested as time has gone on. Is that, would you say that's the beginning of your Bundesliga career as well, watching that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, back when I first started watching soccer, there wasn't really any Bundesliga available, um, in the U S outside of, you know, random internet streams or what have you. But, um, yeah, once I was able to start watching Schalke more regularly, I definitely started watching a lot more Bundesliga as well to follow the league. Uh, I know we talked about um, off air how that uh, you you wanted to go to the uh, big viewing party over in St. Louis uh, over at the uh, tavern. I forget the name of the tavern is off the top of my head now. Um, but you were planning on doing that. Have you gone there before to watch any of the games? I have. Um, Amsterdam Tavern. Yeah, it's a yes, great little uh, soccer bar in uh, kind of right outside downtown in St. Louis. Uh, cool, cool environment. I've been down there uh, once before. Um, and so when I heard that they had the watch party going on down there, I was going to try to make it. But uh, it didn't work out schedule-wise, but I'm sure everyone down there had a great time. And uh, hanging out with Irwin and watching was really an incredible derby. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we'll, get, and we'll get to that right now. Um, like I said, on the podcast here, we're just going to talk about the River Derby, uh, Revere Derby. There's nothing else really we want to talk about because there's so much to talk about. So uh, let's take it away. All right, so Schalke came into this derby on the back of a six-game unbeaten run. On the flip side of that, Dortmund have come in on a torrid run, uh, winning only once in their last nine games in all competitions. Would their respective forms continue, or do you throw it away for the derby? Um, Jack, I know for me at least, uh, when it comes to derbies, it doesn't matter what your record is or what kind of form you're in. You kind of throw it out the window and just say, it's a derby. Who knows? Anything can happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think most of the time, you know, regardless of where these two teams are in the table, you know, relative to each other, it usually ends up being pretty competitive. You know, Dortmund's definitely been um, a stronger team than Schalke in recent seasons. And there's there's still been plenty of, you know, draws and tight matches despite that. Absolutely. All right. So get into this game. Uh, here's the Schalke lineup. Ralph Fairman and net. Uh, we had Benjamin Stambouli, Naldo, Tilo Carrera in defense. In midfield, you had Daniel Calagiri, Weston McKinney, Max Meyer, Bastian Ochipka. And up front, you had Franco Di Santo, Guido Bergstaller, Yevon Konoplyanka. On the bench, you had Nubel, Nastasic, Koke, 
Goretzka, Harit, Schoff, and Mbolo. Um, what did you make of the Shaka lineup when you saw it? Um, there was, for me, the, the the things that I noticed, the two things I noticed was no Goretzka and no Harit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe Goretzka had, you know, a knock uh, the last week or so. So I think there maybe there was a question of whether or not he was going to be fit or wanted to start right away. Right. Um, but yeah, pretty standard lineup. Uh, yeah, obviously, Harit's a great player. Um, and I think we certainly missed his presence early on. So the, I, I would agree. I think those were the two uh, sort of glaring um, absences in the starting lineup. All right. Now the lineup for the Evil Empire. I mean, Dortmund. Um in goal, you had Roman Wiedenfeller. I can't even say his name right now. Um, he's a, he's a guy who's been who's been there before. He hasn't been certain lately, but uh, it's a it's a name we're all familiar with. Uh, in defense, you had Socrates, Omar Toprak, and Marcel Schmelzer. Midfield, you had Mario Goza, Julian Weigel, Nuri Sahin, Rafael Guerrero. Up top, you had Andrei Yarmolenko, Pierre Emerick Abamayang, and Christian Pulisic. On the bench for them, you had Raiman, Zagadu, Bartra, Philip, Schurla, Kagawa, and Castro. Um, so as always with these derbies, it was a wonderful atmosphere. Um, signal Iduna park was sold out for this occasion, 81,079 spectators in the stadium, and I'm sure millions around the world watching, um, worth noting about this derby though, before the match, Weston McKinney and Christian Pulisic, uh, they celebrated Thanksgiving together. Um, are you, you're an American, I take it? Yeah. All right. So, how do you feel about that, Jack? Um, I have no problem with it, just because I'm an American and like, and I love these two players. Um, even though he's uh, Pulisic is for, Pulisic is from uh, Dortmund, but how do you feel about that? Yeah, fraternizing with the enemy, right? Um, right exactly. No. Yeah. I mean, from what I understand, these these guys have uh, you know come up through the U.S. youth system together, so they you know their their friendship goes back quite a ways. But um, yeah, you know, you're stuck overseas. Might as well spend Thanksgiving with somebody you know. Absolutely, no, absolutely. So, all right, getting into this game, um, you know, it started it started early and started quick. Yevhen uh, Konoplyanka had the first opportunity of the game off a turnover just 30 seconds into the game. Guido Bergstaller got the ball and then found Kono, who uh, took a shot, but Wiedenfeller was up for the task. Um, it was clear early on that Schalke was intent on playing Dortmund hard, trying to interrupt their rhythm. Um, Bergstaller got a yellow on Yarmolenko, Yarmolenko early on in the second minute. Uh, just a minute later, Weston McKinney received a yellow for his foul on uh, Schmelzer. Um, what did you make of the, that kind of tactic that uh, Schalke employed early on, uh, playing playing Dortmund hard and trying to get them off the rhythm? Well, yeah, first of all, just from the you know the foul perspective, obviously it's a derby. Emotions are running high. People yes. are um, a little bit excitable in the early minutes. Um, it was definitely unfortunate that Weston McKinney picked up that yellow. I think it was in the third minute. Um, that you know he's got to be careful then for the rest of the game, and I think it kind of took him took him out of it to a certain extent. But yeah, it really seemed like we were uh, pressing pretty diff, uh, pretty hard at the beginning, uh, as you said, trying to interrupt their flow. I don't think it worked particularly well. Um, they seem to be able to string passes together despite that. And I think part of the problem uh, early in the game, uh, which led to some of the goals, which I'm sure you'll talk about in a second, is just that you know we often had four, sometimes six people high up the pitch, and you know one, two quick, uh, one or two quick Dortmund passes, and then suddenly there's a number of Schalke players that are just completely taken out of the play. Yeah, um, they're beating us at our own game, basically. Yeah, absolutely. 
So uh, going on to the eighth minute, uh, Konoplyanka was called on a foul. I thought it was a bad foul, a bad call, because I think he clearly got the ball first. Um, I Definitely. Don't you, I don't know if you remember that play. I do. I, I was screaming at that. I was, I was like, come on. That, at least he didn't get a yellow in that, in that situation. Um, that foul resulted in a free kick to Gotza. Um when his cross came in, it was cleared away by Naldo. Luckily, uh, referee blew the whistle as Dortmund were deemed offsides, and that was a correct call on that play. Um, it did seem Dortmund were carrying most of the possession, if not all of it, in the, and in the 12th minute, um, off a wonderful counterattack by Dortmund. Sahin's shot was saved by Fireman, but unfortunately the ball ricocheted to a slighted Abumayang. And that would be a goal. Um, the, ball, the call would go into VAR, and it was confirmed that the ball was not deemed to be an intentionally hit by a handball. What did you make of that goal? Did you think it was intentional? Um, no, I don't think it was intentional, but I think it is questionable whether or not the ball would have gone in um, had it not hit Aubameyang's hand, which it quite clearly did. So, yeah, definitely um, an unfortunate moment in the match early on um, with that with that going in. Uh yeah, just weird defending. Uh, Dortmund building early a lot down their left hand side. Um, yeah. I believe I believe that ball was crossed over to Pulisic, who probably had twenty or thirty yards of space to the nearest defender, which was Stambouli, who just had his back turned, just totally ball watching. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Pulisic was able to you know cross that back in and a couple of deflections, and you know we're one nil down. That goal for Abomayang was his sixth goal in the Riviera Derby for his career. Um, <sighs> More of this Abomayang. One minute later, Abomayang uh, nearly scored again. Um, Chaka were looking like a boxer on the ropes, just staggering there. Um, in the 15th minute, tension starting to build as, you know, some ta- tough tackles are coming in. Guys are getting chippy. That's a derby for you, right? I mean, guys are going to get chippy. Foul is going to be hard. It's, everything's going to become, you know, everything's going to be tough to, go- to come by, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Emotions running high. We had those fouls early on. And then I think, uh, yeah, 15th minute, there was that Socrates Caliguri scuffle yes. um, after he went down. And that was probably the first real, you know, explosion of, of passion. Uh, through the first quarter hour, quarter of an hour, Dortmund were dominating possession, 67% to 33%. Um, and then if we fast forward a little bit to the 18th minute, Dortmund had a free kick that was crossed in by Sahin and... An own goal by Benjamin Stambouli. Not the start we were looking for, Jack. Definitely not. Uh, it, was, it was a good ball in. De- a weird play, though, because, you know, Stambouli... Um, didn't have anybody immediately around him right? right. Um, and just kind of puts it into his own net. And I think it was actually going to probably be called offside if it had reached the Dortmund player it was intended for. Um, absolutely, absolutely he was. Yeah, so just kind of more unnecessary in that sense as well. Very unfortunate play. And it's funny how that could play would have worked out. Like I said, if, if he had let the ball go through or if he, you know, just let, yeah, like I said, left, let it go and Dortmund guy had got it, he would have been deemed offside because you saw the replay. He was off by easily a yard. but Yeah, it certainly looked like it. Because he touched it, it, it counts as a goal. Um, believe it or not, you know that terrible start. That goal was the first own goal in the Derby since May 1979. I think before you and I were born. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely before I was born. And you would think usually in these derbies, more of those would happen, own goals. But uh, it's, it's crazy to believe it hasn't happened in, what, almost 40 years, uh, an own goal, which it's mind-boggling, really. Yeah, there's and there's a couple stats like that I think we'll talk about later maybe. But uh, yeah, some some definitely some history being made here. And if I don't bring them up, please bring them up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Things would go from terrible to worse just two minutes later as Konopolianka collided with the referee, which caused a turnover and Dortmund blitzed Schalke with a fast counter by Umba Mayang. Alba blew by Stambouli, who's having a terrible game to this point, and crossing a sensational pass across to a wide-open teammate. Mario Gozza scored an equally sensational header to give the host a 3 nothing lead. Schalke, playing, Schalke were playing punch drunk Jack. What, do you, what, what, what were you thinking at this point? Yeah, brutal. I mean, yeah, 3-0 down, um, you know, inside a half an hour. Uh, pretty much a nightmare start. Can't get much worse than that. Um, I wish that was true because it did. But um, <laughs> yeah, just absolutely brutal. I was, I was staring at the TV in disbelief at that point. No, I'm unbelievable. I, I saw that and it was I'm thinking, what what are Schalke doing? They look they look like they have no idea what's going on or what's what even the game of football or soccer is. Yeah, I mean once again though, some 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 themes emerging in terms of how these goals were coming about, obviously outside of the uh the Stambouleon goal, but um you know, uh, that time we were high up the pitch. I think we were defending uh we were had a corner and then they kind of broke uh, you know, off uh off the corner, but um, you know, you got Aubameyang running against Stambouli. That's a mismatch in terms of speed and, you know, just them yeah. changing, changing the angle of attack, somebody making a back post run. Um, you know, same kind of thing, Gertz, uh, with a nice header there. Probably the only person on the pitch who can keep up with Aubameyang is probably Daniel Caligiri. Um, so clearly, we're sh- clearly Shaka were reeling at this point and frustration started to boil over. Tilo Kerr picked up a yellow in the 22nd minute. Um it, he wasn't the only player who was being frustrated. You could tell it was just spreading throughout the lineup. Um, but uh, that yellow, you know, was a little. It was a, it was a tough t- tough tackle for sure. Um, three minutes later, Dortmund had another blistering counterattack. Um, the ball would bounce around in the box and. Rafael Guerrero with an unbelievable volley into the corner of the net for nothing. Just 25 minutes into the game, WTF? Uh, I saw that goal go in. And I'm thinking, what is going? Am I dreaming this? This is ridiculous. I've never seen a game like this where to a derby and, and a team is just dominating the other one. Have you? 
I mean, I think I tweeted out about it at this point. Um, it, it was somewhat reminiscent of, I think it was the the February 2015 Derby at, at Signal Iduna Park, where I think Dorman won that 3-0, and it, we got outshot like 30-3 to or something along those lines, and they just had all the possession. But um, even that game only reached a three-goal margin, and this was already four inside 25 minutes. So, yeah, it was absolutely shocking. Haven't seen anything like that. Yeah, it was unreal, and I, you know, I remember I saw that goal, and I'm thinking, I know something's crazy going on, and I don't know how many more goals are going to be scored. I was just hoping that would be the end of it, but uh, luckily, it wasn't the end of it. Um, as a as the first half continued on, you could start hearing the chant "Shaka Nul Fear," um, but that's this is by the Dortmund fans, not by the Shaka fans. They were mocking us. Um, yeah, you know, you know, saying zero to four, zero four. Yeah, very um, clever, very clever Dorman fans. They are, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, something had to be done. Um, Domenico Tedesco finally did pull the trigger in the thirty-third minute when he put on Goretzka and Amin Harit for Franco Di Santo and Weston McKinney. Um, what did you make of the substitutions when they, when they happened? Did you like it? Yeah, I mean, I loved it. Obviously, you don't, you wouldn't prefer to have a double sub in you know the thirtieth minute, roughly. Uh, you know, usually you'd like to save those for later, but I, you know, I think Tedesco realized that he had gotten the tactics wrong and the team selection wrong to a certain extent. Weston McKinney, like we said earlier, had that yellow and really, you know, wasn't doing a whole lot and, no, you know, had to, be, had to be careful on that yellow. And, you know, given his relative inexperience, I don't think it was a bad decision to take him out, especially for somebody, um, as, you know, integral to the side as Goretzka. And then, you know, Franco DeSanto, I don't understand why he continues to start. And I'm not trying to hate on him, but you know, the, guy, the guy has played over 2,000 Bundesliga minutes for Schalke since he came here, and he has three goals, to my knowledge. Yeah. Um, and, and I know everyone was excited last week when he scored, but it was a penalty. It wasn't even from open play. I mean, um, you know, I appreciated his work rate uh, in, in the pressing early, but um, just really limited player. And Harit brings so much more to the table. Um, you know, in terms of his his ability to take people on one on one, you know, his speed, his creativity. He's an X factor, um, is what it is. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So I, yeah, I definitely, I definitely like that substitution as well. Yeah, I, I guess his, I guess uh, Tedesco's thinking with DeSanto is that this is a big body that can hold the ball up to feed it to Bergstaller or whoever the, the chasing winger is. Um, but I'm kind of, and you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Amin Harris since he came to the team. He's got the trickery, he's got the the passing ability, and he's got the pace. Um, and I also like Goretzka. You got to have Goretzka. If he's, Goretzka can't go because of injury, I get that. But you got to have Amin Harris out there over DeSanto. I think him. I think Bergstaller and Konoplyanka could do enough up in attack uh, that you wouldn't need someone like DeSanto to play. Um, but the moves were made, and I I too did like the moves because I was curious. You can go one of two ways here when it's 4 nothing and you have to make substitutions. A, you go defensive and just try to close up shop, keep, keep the embarrassment from getting any worse. Or B, you go, out, you go on the attack and, and try to make something of it. Uh, I'm glad Tedesco went for it because uh, heading into this game, I was really curious to see how he would stack up against Dortmund. Um, well, let's get, let's get on to the rest of the game. Um, uh, at the 35-minute mark, uh, Dortmund were still leading possession, 63% to 37%. Um, we were talking about the tempers flaring over. Um, Tilo Kerr, you know, he in the 40th minute nearly got his second yellow. Many people think he should have got a second yellow there. Uh, I think 
you know, the scoreline being what it was. The referee didn't want to get it more out of hand by making Schalke be 10 men down to 10 men. You know, it could game could score could go up to 7 nothing, 8 nothing. I guess, you know, the human aspect came out of that, as uh, Tyler Dunn uh, said to me earlier. Um, is that what you did? You think it was a yellow, or how would you think about that foul? Yeah, I, I really did. Um, I think we dodged a bullet with that one. I, I think it probably was, um, you know, a game management decision, maybe a little bit of a, a pity no call, um, with Schalke already being down, you know, four nil. But uh, if he had gotten the second yellow and had been sent off, I don't think I would have been in good conscience able to complain about it. Absolutely, no, I, I agree. But luckily for us, uh, he was not sent off. Um, in the 45th minute, 45th minute, uh, Amin Herod crossed it into Yevinko Plianka, who nearly scored um, just just before the half. And I mean just before the half. Uh, a yellow card was worth Daniel Caligiri for a handball. Um, good call on that play? Yeah, I actually don't recall if that was for a handball. Um, that would make more sense because I don't recall actually seeing what that was for. But um, yeah, kind of an unfortunate cheap yellow to pick up then, especially right before halftime. So the score would end 4 nothing at halftime. Uh, Dortmund were a little bit cocky, to say the least. On uh, Dortmund Twitter, they put out a tweet with a picture of uh, Toprak sipping some tea and with this halftime score saying 4 nothing. Yeah. Um, confidence is high, and, and for a good reason. I mean, it's 4 nothing. Uh, how many teams come back from 4 nothing? Uh, I mean, the Bundesliga, it's only happened one time, and that was, I think, 1976 when Bayern did it. Um, and this isn't Bayern, so... Yeah, I saw a stat. Um, I don't know if it was correct or not, but that uh, this comeback from Schalke was the first time since in any of the top five uh, European leagues since 2011, um, oh. when, I th- when I think Newcastle came back from that deficit against Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe, maybe six years doesn't sound like you know that long of a time, but when you consider how many games are played across five leagues in six years, um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, um, it, it came out after the game that Tedesco said for the first half um instead of going with his normal tactics and trying to you know he wanted to he wanted to match up man versus man against Dortmund that's why he kind of he shifted his tactics just a bit um and unfortunately for Tedesco Dortmund made a last minute change that threw everything off clearly it showed in the first half with the guys looking running around with a like a chick with no head on a head attached um they just didn't know what to do, and it was just like a heavyweight boxing match, a one-way, like a Mike Tyson fight, where one team is just beating the other team, and uh, there was no ideas there, it looked like. So going on to the second half, um, Nastasic was brought on for Carrier coming out of the half. Um, I think that was a good call, you know, deeming the fact that Carrier already had a yellow and nearly got one, a second one just before halftime. Uh, were you okay with this substitution, or would you rather see someone else come in? Yeah, absolutely. I, I like Kara a lot and think he's a very important player for us. But, uh, you know, much like the McKinney substitution, they both had yellow cards at that time. Kara had already demonstrated that despite having a yellow, he was uh, still going in for questionable tackles. And I, I think it was probably a, a smart call to get him off the pitch and take us out of, uh, you know, that that danger of getting a red card. No, no doubt. No doubt. Um the second half, uh, as it began, it looked like Schalke had a little bit more intent than they did in the first half. Um, they, were, they were keeping possession of the ball. Um, and then in the 49th minute, Bastian Ochipka had a good cross uh, to Goretzka, who just missed a header over the bar. 
Um, when that happened, I thought, oh, come on. We, we, we can't even get any luck. The chance, times we do have a shot, we can't even put it in the net. Uh, what you make of that opportunity by Goretzka? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we didn't have that many chances in the game up to that point, and you got to take advantage of the ones you get. Uh, Goretzka was pretty much unmarked, made a good run. It was a great ball from Ochipka, and, um, you know, kind of a diving header there from Goretzka, and he, yeah, he just put it over. Um, probably should have gotten that on target for sure. And it would have been a great way to cap his 100th game for Schalke with a goal uh, for Goretzka, but it was not to happen. Um, Let's fast forward a few more minutes in the 53rd. Ochipka with a long free kick. And finally, a goal by Naldo. But wait, as you alluded to before, VAR gets involved and Naldo is ruled offside. It was close, but Naldo was offside. I think it was a correct call. Did you not? Yeah, I, I agree for sure. Um, definitely frustrating, though. I mean, you consider um, the possible handball from Aubameyang earlier in the match, and then we finally get one on the board, and it's disallowed, and it just seemed like everything possible was going against us at this point. Yeah, and it, it seems, like you said, things were just mounting. Um, Schalke did look like they were they had more intent in the second half. They had more opportunities in the first 10 minutes than they did all the first 45. Um, things would t- continue to... The uh, well, how would I how do I phrase this? The uh, unsureness of the game, if you will, uh, continued in the fifty fifth minute when uh, Ralph Fairman decided to try to fake out Abamayang, um, and and he gave it away, nearly giving up a goal in the process. I was screaming at Ralph. I love Ralph. Ralph was having a great season, but that was bonehead right there. Absolutely, um, and I, I love Ralph too. I think he's probably one of the most underrated goalkeepers in the world potentially you know he yeah, yeah he, he doesn't he doesn't have the opportunity to um play for his national team which is why i think maybe his visibility is a little bit less but germany just has an embarrassment of riches of that position with you know neuer and ter Stegen and uh and others uh you know baron leno uh, so yeah definitely not uh not a smart play from ralph fairman there that's the last thing you need to be doing when you're uh when you're down that many goals as it is but luckily nothing came of it and we were able to avoid uh a very very cheap goal Things seemed to uh, continue not going our way, and it was seeming like it was going to be Dortmund's day, as in the 56-minute, Caligiri had a great chance uh, on Wiedenfeller, but he makes a great save. Uh, the rebound go to Meyer, and he tried to chip, but it was too high. At that point, it seemed like the deck was stacked against us. There was no chance, no, no bounces were going to go our way, was it? Yeah, I mean, definitely more positive in terms of uh, some of the opportunities we were getting, but yeah, everything just seemed to be missing the mark. Um didn't see a way back for us at that point still. Uh, it seemed like in the first half, every time Dortmund had an attack, they scored. Um, and then, so when in the 57th minute, when Yarmolenko, Yarmolenko passed to Abameyang and had a header opportunity, uh, luckily for us, Fireman was big in goal and he saved it to keep it, uh, f- keep it at 4 nothing. It's, uh, it's comical to say keep it at 4 nothing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, finally, finally, some luck came our way. Um, in the 61st minute, um, Amin Harrod tried to dribble on the right-hand side, eventually gave it to Sambuli, and it looked like an innocent play. Uh, Sambuli just looked for a, a long pass to uh, Bergseller, but luckily for us... Within a team is also important have to have that balance, experience and youth. Now this is interesting, and that is a fabulous header. Guido Borgstaller, wonderful. Wonderful, long ball, great header, no chance for a wide defender. Out of nothing, really. Yeah. Out of very little, certainly. And 
Guido Bergstaller with an out-of-this-world looping header over Wiedenfeller. We finally got on the board, four to one. Were you not screaming out of your out of your house at this point? You know, I actually wasn't just because I was like, okay, one goal, that's good. We're on the board, but you know, we have less than a half an hour remaining. I was I was a little bit pessimistic at this point, but um, definitely a great goal. Uh, you know, Berkshire sort of that looping, flicked on header from the edge of the box, very deep, and you know. I guess when all else fails, just kick the ball along, which is what Stan really <laughs> did there. Um, yeah, he was he was pretty deep in his own half when he when he hit that, and it just kind of I think caught Dortmund unawares a little bit. I think it was Socrates defending that, and you know Bergshaw, I got the best of him there. No doubt, no doubt. Um, yeah, it was just a, a crazy play that I did not uh, I did not like. I said it came out of nowhere uh, in the sixty first minute. Um, fast forward to just four minutes later in, in the 65th minute, um, there was a play on the left-hand side between, I believe it was, uh, Nastasic and I don't remember who the Dortmund player was, but they're fighting for the ball, Dortmund players on the ground, Nastasic gets it, chips it over to Ochipka, who gave it to Konoplyanka, who decided to go one-on-one with the defender, um, he, he got a little, he got a step on him, cross it in, uh, over the defenders and the goaltender, and right to Amin Harrit, who made no mistake about it. Just like that, four to two in a matter of four minutes. Uh, it was a lovely assist by Konoplyanka, but what a goal, what composure by the kid, Amin Herod, that we were just praising a couple minutes earlier, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Konoplyanka, always dangerous over on the left-hand side. You know, a nice cross into Harid, who brought it down um, comfortably. Very composed finish, took his time. Um, and Just kind of, you know, uh, no-nonsense finish. Just hit it hard and, uh, you know, got through Weidenfeller. And great to see Harid get on the board. Um, obviously, he was big for us once he came on, um, adding that extra attacking dimension. But... Um, I think goal scoring is something that's been he's been criticized for so far. Just the, maybe the last thing he really needs to add to his game to um, become more of an important contributor, somewhat like, you know, Max Meyer, in a sense, back when he played in a more attacking role. Um, so, yeah, good to see production from him and obviously a very important moment in the match. Yeah. And at this point, it scores four to two. So the last time six goals were scored in the Derby uh, was three, three encounter in 2008. Um where the goal scorers were Jefferson Farfan, Rafinha, and Heiko Wesserman for Schalke, and Nevin Subotic, and a brace by Alexander Fry. Um, Quick shout out to Fairman for, uh, I mean, uh, Farfan for getting Peru to the World Cup. He scored a goal in that uh, in oh, that absolutely. last qualifying match. Love me some Jefferson Farfan. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a sad day when he left the club. Um, absolutely. He, he's definitely an all time great for me. I, I love the guy. All right. So let's see. Um, clearly, Schalke were. Uh, we're attacking a lot more in this in in the second half. Uh, through the first twenty minutes of the second half, possession was in favor of Schalke, fifty seven percent to forty three percent. Let's fast forward two more minutes uh, in the sixty seventh minute. Schalke looking dangerous again. Uh, Goretzka up in the box, slid a pass over to Bergstaller, who pushed it just wide. I for sure thought that was going to be the third goal. I was ready to leap out of my seat, and it wasn't to be. 
Yeah, definitely starting to believe a little bit more at that point. Uh, you know, still getting the occasional chance every few minutes. Um, encouraging and obviously disappointing to to miss that opportunity, but um, promising, promising to see that. Yeah, yeah, and the things would tend would continue to go both ways, but more in the favor of Schalke for the next few minutes. Um, and then something fortuitous happened for Schalke. Um, Abba Moyang was already on a yellow card. And then he committed a stupid foul on Amin Harrit in the 72nd minute. Uh, referee made no no hesitation about it. Gave him his second yellow. Gave him his walking cards, walking papers. Uh, a red card for Abba Mayang. That had to be... Uh, you had to be happy about seeing that. I mean, you had to see... Well, it's a, this is the derby. I, I'd love seeing red cards when it's in favor of Dortmund, not for Schalke. Yeah, definitely. Um, huge moment in the match for sure. Uh really puzzling play from Aubameyang. I mean, yeah, um, no reason I, to do that. Yeah. I don't know if he forgot that he was already on a yellow or what, but, um, when he made that tackle, I mean, the, I forgot who had the, who, who had the ball at that point, which Schalke player had the ball. Oh man. Um, whoever, whoever it was, Harry, was not Harry. even that. It was a Harry. Okay. Yeah. He wasn't even in that dangerous of, of position and Aubameyang didn't go for the ball. Literally just took him out. It was a very cynical challenge, a very stupid challenge, and um, I do not know what was going through his head. But uh, whatever it was, I'm glad it was there because he got him sent <laughs> off. And uh, you know, one man advantage will take that all day. Uh, that resulted in a free kick for Conan Plyanka. Um, his cross inside went to Bergstaller, who hit it perfectly. But that wall, Wiedenfeller was there, making an unreal save off of his hands and off of the post. Uh, and that was, like I said, that was in the 73rd minute. Um, at that point, I'm, I had I had uh, the hopes that were coming back. But I, I, when I, when Wienerfeller made that save, as he had throughout the game, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, he's going to be the one who's going to win the game. Um, what did you think of that play when it happened? Yeah, it was a great, strong header from Bergstaller. Unbelievable save from Wienerfeller. Uh, Roman Berkey couldn't have been too happy to see that. Um, cause he's been criticized recently and, you know, not, not, it probably didn't like Weidenfeller who he's, you know, he's probably thinking he's, uh, not competing with at this point, making that kind of a save in that kind of a moment. It was a phenomenal save. Uh, so we're going to flash forward a few minutes to, I think around the 78th minute when I mean, was near Ralph Ferriman with the position of the ball and, and Castro for Dortmund, uh, made a silly foul on him. Um, got a yellow card for it, but Harrit was down for a while, and he actually had to be carted off or taken off the field. It looked like he was done for, and at this point, we're looking at ten versus ten, and I thought that was that's for sure our chance to to win the game or get back into the game is when we we had, were down a man to make it ten ten. Yeah, um, obviously very excited about that man advantage, and then you know, wouldn't you know it? It's suddenly that man advantage disappears because. Uh, you know, Harit goes off with injury and we've also used our, our three subs at that point. So um, I was worried. It looked like he was bleeding. Um, yeah, definitely looked to be in a, in a great deal of pain. And they, you know, they, they took him off and he he was out for a while. But, um, you know, luckily he was OK. And I don't know if you saw this when they put him be, uh, behind um, Fairman's goal. The, the Dortmund fans, uh, the Sud Tribune were throwing things at him like water balls and stuff like that, which you never want to see. Um, luckily, none of them hit hit him. Um, so eventually, they took him to the sideline uh, to the Schalke bench so they can do more work on him. Um, he would crawl back into the game, if you will. Um, <laughs> he came in because we needed an extra body, and I think that's why he went in because we were out of substitutions at that point, and we just needed somebody out there just to give us the advantage any way we could. Um, and luckily, he was on the pitch because uh, 
his presence alone in the 85 minute um, gave us gave us a great chance to get back into the game. Um, eventually, Daniel Caligiuri found himself one on one with the substitute Zagadu. Um, faked him out once, faked him out again, went to his left and blasted a sh- left-footed shot to the top corner. Daniel Caligiuri makes it four to three with five minutes remaining. Now you had to be jumping out of your seat, right? Absolutely. Um, although the uh, the cynical Schalke fan in me, who's who's experienced a lot of pain, this club has put me through <laughs> over the years, was like they would bring it back, you know, to within one goal and then not actually, you know, finish it off. Uh, but yeah, I was I was I was pretty hyped at that point. It was a great great individual play by uh, Caligiuri. He had had a couple efforts on his left foot in this game that were nowhere near being on target but he hit that one sweetly um left Zagadu for for dead on that play um and speaking of that interesting sub from you know Peter Boss there uh to bring on the 18 year old defender you know when you have that kind of a lead um I understand wanting to go defensive but to bring on a player with that lack of experience yeah um I thought was questionable and uh Zagadu definitely contributed to the comeback I thought a better substitution would have brought in somebody like Kagawa who can control the game. Um, he's had a great history against Schalke, so For he, sure. could have, he could have killed off the game with possession-wise. But, you know, Bosch did what he had to do, um, and that went to our benefit. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, oh, well, you know, at this point it's 4-3, to three, so that's uh, seven goals now in the game. The last time seven goals were scored in this derby it was 1991, where Schalke won 5-2. In that game, the goal scorers uh, for Dortmund were Mikael Schulz and Stefan Chiputat. And then for uh, Schalke, you had Ingo Anderbrugge, Gunter Guttler, Jürgen Lunginger, Gunter Schlippler, and Peter Schenscheid uh, for the Koningblau. Those are names that you are, are too familiar with, or is it? <laughs> no, I mean, of course. Who could forget? <laughs> that's interesting i didn't uh i've seen many high scoring shock games i guess i never realized that it was that they didn't have a high scoring game against uh dortmund uh um, yeah. truth be told the game that brought me into uh becoming a shock fan was actually the der- a derby game against um bayer leverkusen it was a, a famous 7-4 game back in 2000 oh man 2004 i guess i can't remember what year it was um, but I remember seeing that game and seeing the fans at Felton's Arena, and I said, I'm hooked. Um, I'm, I'm definitely cheering for this team. Um, so back to the game, um, our man Daniel Caligiri, three minutes after he scored a goal, had another opportunity, uh, but his shot this time was it was an easy save ultimately for Weidenfeller. Um, t- the clock was ticking. Tensions continued to mount um, in the 89th minute. There was a play between Konoplyanka and Socrates. Socrates was actually outside of the pitch, stumbled his way back onto the pitch, and then fell down. Uh, that it resulted in pushing and shoving. Um, tensions were high, and it's a savvy move by Socrates to put it back on the pitch. He's wasting time, but you hate to see stuff like that happen. I mean, it's a derby. Tensions are high, but uh, what did you think of that play when, it, when you saw that? Yeah, um, obviously Socrates made a lot of that. 
Um, oh yeah, yeah, it was a dive. Uh, it was a dive. for sure. But from the shock of perspective, you can't give him an opportunity to do it. You know what I mean? Um, as much as he was, you know, hamming it up on that play and and trying to waste time, you can't. You got to be smarter than that, and you can't initiate contact and give him an opportunity to do that and go on the ground and you know make a big scene. So. Um, you know, with, with, when time is of the essence and, and you need a goal, you need to, you know, be smarter than that and just kind of keep the game moving and keep, keep playing. Yeah. And, um, you were thinking, you're thinking at this point, you know, there's at least going to be five minutes of stoppage time going to come in. And then you got, you know, Fireman was, Fireman was, uh, in this, in this fracas as well. I'm like, why is he at, why is he way out there on the other side of midfield? You know, you're just delaying the game. T- time is ticking away. Um, but finally got, the guy's got a hold of the referee was keeping track of time. Uh, in the 90th minute, that's when the side referee held up the seven minutes of stoppage time. Um, that, that was all from that mean Herod injury earlier. Um, I I was ecstatic to see seven minutes because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the team is pressing. They look like they're going to score again. We just need more time. Um, obviously, you were you were happy to see the seven minutes, right? Yeah, I mean, all the momentum was with Schalke at that point, um, and to get that kind of stoppage time is absolutely huge. I think if anything, it just gave Schalke even more life. Um, and maybe drain even more of the energy out for Dortmund because, you know, they've been desperately trying to hold on to this lead. It's kind of all falling apart, and now they got to do it for another seven minutes. Um, big ask for sure. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, as time was ticking in stoppage time, you're wondering when when and if are they going to get their chance. It's a time's ticking, time is ticking. And the third minute of stoppage time, going into the fourth minute, um, Schalke were awarded a, a corner kick. Um, corner Plianka was the man to step up. As we all know, Schalke are lethal in set-piece situations, but whether it be corner kicks or free kicks, uh, they defend very well with these, and they also score very well with these. Uh, luckily, we have a guy who plays central defense who's one of the best in the world at it. Um, and off that free kick by Kone Pilianka. The Brazilian Naldo ties the game at the death. Now you're screaming, right? Oh, absolutely. I uh, I was running around my apartment at that point um, <laughs> to, to the annoyance of the people that were watching the game with me. But yeah, I, I absolutely lost it at that point. Uh, unreal comeback. Um, let me t- let me tell you. Let's build a let's build a statue of Zagadu outside the Veltons Arena because <laughs> he, he contributed to that one as well. I mean, Naldo just completely lost him, um, and just yeah, as he was doing all game, winning headers went up. Powerful, powerful shot. Um, finish it emphatically, and you know, jubilation. It's uh, it's funny. Right before when they zoomed in on the replay on on Naldo, you could see with one. I forget who he was talking, looking at, but he was saying, you know. Do it, give me a give me a shield. Give me some protection. Yeah, screen him, and yeah. Then, and then also Goretzka came in out of nowhere 
and he kind of sprung he kind of sprung him and Naldo was wide open at that point but Naldo is one of the best jumpers in the world I mean there's maybe two players I can think of Sergio Ramos and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo for Real Madrid who maybe are better jumpers in the air Naldo seems to get every ball every time yeah I mean Naldo's seven feet tall to begin with and then (laughs) uh, yeah I mean on top of that yeah he definitely is able to rise uh, pretty high. Like I said, you saw him doing it, you know, all game, um, you know, being authoritative in, in the air and uh, did it once again in a huge moment for us. Game tied 4-4. What a comeback. Um, this is like we, we kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, this is the second time now in Bundesliga history where a team was down 4 nothing, came back. Um, Bayern did it in 1976. Schalke did it in 2017. This is the first time it happened in the Derby. Um, the most dramatic Derby game ever, in my opinion. Um, soon as the game ended, I mean, Schalke had an, another opportunity just before the end of the game, but the game ultimately ended 4-4. Four to four. Um, <laughs> Goretzka and Ralph Fairman were celebrating in front of the uh, yellow wall, and Nuri Sahin didn't take kindly to that, and a fracas broke out between players from both teams. Um, that's a rivalry right there. I love that. I love seeing that. You know, you you don't want anyone to get hurt, but you want to see guys with that kind of passion. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Nuri Shahin should probably be directing his disappointment um, towards his his teammates and himself rather than Fairman and Goretzka for being excited about um, a comeback of historic proportions. But um, you know, can't blame them for for being excited about it. And I mean, if the yellow wall is upset about the location of that celebration, they can get over it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, for their parts in the incident, uh, Fairman and Sahin both got yellow cards for starting the fracas. Um, Shaka would ultimately run over to their to their their fans on the other end, uh, celebrating. Shaka looked like they had just won the game, while Dortmund looked like they had just lost. And in fact, that's kind of how I look at it because to be up for nothing and then lose a game, make it you know you end up drawing. Um, that all the people are going to talk about. Dortmund choking this game away. I'm going to talk about uh, Schalke winning or getting all the momentum in this game. This is gonna. It's only going to prove better, good for them uh, here on out. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, an unbelievable display of you know mental fortitude um, and and heart and passion. Um, to I mean, even going down two goals that early in the game, um, you know, can just kind of sink a team mentally and emotionally in a fixture as big as this. And, uh, you know, Tedesco made the changes he needed to make, probably gave one hell of a team talk at halftime. And uh, they came out and they were they were not going to go down quietly. Um, and they were rewarded for their effort, ultimately. Um, unbelievable. Great to see. Um, I mean, I, I can't believe I'm this excited about a draw. But, yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, yeah, given the circumstances – incredible game i mean it was all i mean everyone on twitter even the neutrals were just in shock at how this one turned out and uh i don't know maybe uh hopefully that contributes to goretzka maybe wanting to stay with Schalke in the future being a part of a match that big and that exciting and you know kind of being a part of that but he looked excited after the game yeah i mean riviera derby one of the biggest fixtures in, in in european football for sure um great to see it live up to its billing in terms of a spectacle it was nothing but good for the Bundesliga, in Absolutely. my opinion. For sure. Um, yeah, and I think, like I said, all the momentum's definitely going Schalke's way. I give kudos to Tedesco for the changes he made in the 33rd minute, for for his goal to decide to fight and try to win the game, or you know at least get get something out of the game, as opposed to sit back and 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 cower. 
Um, so I was curious how he would handle this game, and I think ultimately he realized he made a mistake early on, but he paid. Uh, he did well to make up for it, um, and the team now is only going to feed 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 everything he says now. Um, they, they obviously did at halftime, and they obviously had so far this season. I think from here on out, it's going to be uh, even better for Schalke, hopefully, as far as team spirit goes. And hopefully the lineups are a little bit better to our liking as opposed to uh, how he has been putting them out. Even though we've been getting results, you don't want to see DeSanto out there if you can put Amin Harrod out there or, or Goretzka. Yeah, I think I've said my piece on DeSanto. I, I, <laughs> I, yeah, um, and even even in Bolo, players like that, we have we have young, yeah, promising, yeah. attacking talent that I'd like to see more of. And I know there's been some injury troubles in, in that sort of thing, but um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we have better options than him, and I'm, I'm glad that Tedesco um, realized that that mistake early on and was able to correct it and give us enough time to to do something with it. Well, like you said, you think we should uh, erect a statue for Zagadu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could also do one for Tedesco or even Naldo. Um, sure. All those. In your opinion, who was the man of the match? Um, I'll give you mine after. I just want to hear what you're going to say. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm going to go on another limb, just not the most obvious. So I'll let you go first. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Naldo might be the obvious choice just because he was very solid defensively. Um, I, th- I think most of the the Dortmund goals were not his fault, um, and then obviously, he I mean, offensively came up with that big play was dangerous, you know, all game long on you know set pieces, headers, that sort of thing. Um, I thought a chip could play well for the most part, yeah. um, kind of Plianka as well. I don't know. I'm interested to see what what you have to say. Bergstaller was good in, in two. There's a lot of good Schalke performances. Um, after at least after the first half an hour or so. so um, I'm gonna say my man of the match was Amin Herrett for a couple reasons. One, his instant impact in the game, um, getting involved, getting that goal early on, uh, early on in the second half. Um, his play distribution, but also for getting the guts to get back into the game after you're injured, knowing that just your presence alone gives you an advantage out there. If he didn't come back out on the pitch, um, who knows where that game would have went. I don't know if it would have gone 4-4. So the fact that he went out there, I gave him all the credit in the world to go back out there. Yeah, that's a good shout. Definitely a gutsy performance from him. Um, he changed the game when he came on, and you know that injury, he was down for quite a bit of time and, and you know managed to get back on the pitch and you know, give a hundred percent until right at the end. We definitely needed that from him for sure. Now I've been, I've been vocal on in saying that if, if Peter Bosch had lost this match, that he, that would be his job. Um, the way that they drew the game though, it's pretty much like a loss. Uh, at least in my opinion, do you think he will make it to Christmas? Uh, I mean, not without a, a, a massive change in, in Dortmund form. Um, I, I think going into that game, they had lost four of their last five. Um, I mean, off to a great start in the season, but they've certainly lost that form recently. And then to have that kind of collapse in in, in a fixture as important as you know the Riviera Derby is uh, just another strike against him. Um, definitely had a tough go of it recently, and uh, his his he's definitely on the hot seat to say to say the least. Their uh, their season kind of was encapsulated by this game. They started out hot. Um, scoring goals like crazy, and then the well dried up, and then it started imploding. Uh, that's how the season went for them, and that's, that's going so far for them, and that's how the game went. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, it, it, you're right. It actually kind of was a microcosm of their whole season, um, this one. Uh, I can't say I'm, <laughs> I'm shedding a tear over it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very refreshing to see Schalke ahead of, the t- uh, ahead of Dorman in the table. Um, 
and to uh, crush their dreams like we did in this game, uh, despite it being a draw. But yeah, I mean, maybe they'll get things turned around. I think it's good for the Bundesliga when Dortmund is strong and able to compete with Bayern. Um, but I wouldn't be upset if it was Schalke doing that instead. No, no, no doubt. Um, had Dortmund won the game, they would have been level on points with Schalke uh, and then actually been an advantage because of the head-to-head. Luckily, that is not the case. Based on current standings, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but Bayern Munich actually lost to Gladbach um, two to one. Yeah, dropping points to Gladbach. Yeah, so you'd, it's not it's, it's not something you'd expect from a Jupinkas team. Um, but if you look at the current table with the loss, Bayern Munich still in first with twenty nine points. Rosenball Spart Leipzig is at twenty six points, three points behind them. Schalke stay in third place on twenty four points. Gladbach right on their heels at twenty four points, just goal differential separating them. Dortmund in, in fifth, 21 points. Leverkusen, who's coming up the table, are on 20 points. And then Hoffenheim as well at 20 points. Um, before we get off on this game, um, we saw Nastasic play, obviously, this, this game. You know, now with... Who do you... Who would be your ideal back three? I mean, you have Stambouli, Naldo, and Carrer playing right now. Uh, with Nastasic being healthy now, do you keep him on the bench? Do you put him on? Who do you re- replace him for? Yeah, that's tough. Um, I think Stambouli's done a great job in, in that role. Um, and Tedesco has definitely uh, impressed in terms of changing the roles that some of these players have, whether it's Max Meyer moving into more of a holding midfield role or Stambouli moving into, yeah. you know, the back three. Um, and, they, and, you know, they've both worked out very well, I think, to this point. Um, Nastasha's a good player, though. I, I've always liked him. I think he's done a good job. Uh, it'll be interesting if he does go into the back, if he does get back into the back three. I'm um, saying back a lot. Um, I, I think that it would probably be for Stambouli. Uh, I think that Carer is probably going to maintain his position, and I don't. I don't see how you take Naldo out at this point. You know, as as old as he is, he's really having a great season. Um, he seems to be getting better with age to some extent. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, Naldo said he feels like he's 25 now. He says he feels like he's playing better than he did 10 years ago, which is a uh, Scary for opponents, but great for us Schalke fans. I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I mean, it's Sambouli has been playing well this season. Um, Carer is a young player who has a lot of talent, and he needs the game time to, to keep getting better. Um, Sambouli did have a rocky game. Uh, he did have a great assist on Brooksteller's goal. So if someone had to come out, it would be Stambouli. Um, I kind of want to see how it, the next few games ride out, but I mean... I think Nastasic for somebody would be the would be the obvious choice. You might want to put uh, Carrer on the right side and and then Nastasic on the left side. But I mean, yeah, that's, that's for Tedesco to decide, not me. He's getting paid the big bucks, not us. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see how it, we'll see how it turns out. I think that's probably uh, how it will shake out. But um, lots to look forward to. All right, real quick before we we, we close this up. Um, next uh, next Saturday, Shaka play um, Cologne. Um, who do you like in that game? Um, the game is going to be at Velton's Arena. Cologne are in last place, as you know. Um, is it going to be an easy game for them, or is it going to be a, a tough last-minute one goal wins it? Yeah, well, I would hope I would favor Schalke against uh, the team, <laughs> team in last place right now. Um, although, based on how we played last year, uh, losing to bottom-table teams was not a problem for us. Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, we've been better than that this season. Uh, hopefully, Schalke gets the result. I don't think it's ever going to be easy against Cologne, but um, we'll see. I mean, this is a this is an emotional 
win for them. Uh, we'll see if they can keep riding on that emotion or if it, if it drains them and maybe they'll be susceptible next week. Give me a score line. What's, what's your prediction? Uh, let's go. Let's go two, one, two, one. Nice. This was kind of an offensive explosion. This was a weird game for Schalke. I mean, oh, yeah. so, so far this season, they've been unbelievable defensively, but they've been pretty poor offensively. And this was the opposite. They conceded a lot of goals and they scored a lot. So I, I would imagine there'd probably be a return to, to uh, uh, you know, the normal mode of operation next week. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a fair shot. Um, it was very abnormal. If Shaka had played the way they played in the second half with all season, they may, maybe they'd be scoring a lot more goals, but they'd probably give up a lot of more goals too. And, and we know Tedesco doesn't like giving up goals. Um, so my prediction, um, I think they're going to ride the momentum of the goals in the second half. I think they're going to definitely close up shop defensively. I'm going to go with 3 nothing for Shaka. I like uh, it. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully one of us is right. Uh, a win is, I'll take all the wins we can get because uh, we need to keep pace with Bayern, keep ahead of uh, Dortmund and, and stay in that Champions League spot because that's where Schalke belongs in Champions League, not Europa League, not out of it. They need to be in Champions League, in my opinion. 100%. All right. Let's wrap that up right there. Um, keep tuning in each week. We'll bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Up the Franz, and the Bundesliga for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet to at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. I'd like to thank Jack for joining us today. Jack, if people want to give you a follow on Twitter, where can they reach you? Yeah, not going not gonna to claim to be an essential follow by any stretch of the imagination, but you can <laughs> find me at J.M. Mangan, that's M-A-N-G-A-N, on Twitter. Um, if you want to feed my ego and toss me a follow, I'd greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and then uh, also I'm on the, uh, on the Facebook channel. Uh, Chalka group north american uh, north american chat group there so uh, you should join there are a lot of great american uh, Chalka fans there uh, many of whom were in C- and st louis and then uh, all throughout the country so uh, definitely go there if you're on facebook um, once again i'm your host richard carmen and you can find me on twitter as well at r underscore carmen that's k-h-a-r-m-a-n until the next pod comes stay ready and i'll be with you soon Shoof.